listening to What Won't We Say? We believe that we are better in community and that all people want to be known. That true authenticity can only be reached through honesty and vulnerability. This is a judgment-free zone and a shame-free space where individuality is encouraged and celebrated. We are your hosts, Sonia Mastic and Jen Kinney. All right. We are welcoming Chiquita Patterson to the show today. She is the founder of United Street Tours. She is a speaker and a consultant with a passion for creating and promoting growth mindsets. United Street Tours is a walking tour company based in Nashville, Tennessee, that specializes in black history. The tours put on unconventional spin on city tours featuring buried stories that were left out of the storyline. Welcome, Chiquita. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for joining us all the way from Tennessee. How is the weather over there right now? And don't brag when you say oh, it. it. Has, <laughs> no, it has been raining nonstop. We actually had a flash flood warning yesterday. Oh, well, it's raining and freezing here. And there's snow and it's like oh, 20 degrees. Don't, we don't have the freezing part. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We we do have a little empathy for you, but just a tiny, tiny bit. Oh, I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm ready to come down to Tennessee and take a tour here. So, Chiquita, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I was raised by my mom. I have two older sisters, and I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandparents. In fact, when I was a teenager, I was like, Mom, I'm moving in with my grandma. And I left home, moved in with my grandmother, then left, went to college when I was 18. I graduated from Middle Tennessee State University, went back home for a while, and then went back to school to get my master's degree in social work. After that, came to Nashville, and I've been in Nashville ever since. Awesome. So you worked in education. Can you tell us about that and what you did? Oh, yeah. So... The last education job that I had was at a local charter school in Nashville, where I live, and basically I was the dean of students. So when I explain the dean of students role, I just tell people it's everything outside of academics, right? So all of the, basically the logistics for the school, the programming, uh, the system, such as lunch, things like that, as well as like planning Black History Month and different activities and stuff for the students to do, all falls in the ram of the dean of students role. Okay, what inspired you to go into education? So I've always had one foot, what I like to call it, in education. When I went to school to be a social worker, I uh, got a certification in K-12 to be a school social worker. Hmm. Uh, Growing up, my mom worked in a local preschool, and she still works in that same preschool. Wow. And she has just been educating since before I can remember. So I would say just seeing her, and I would go to, to her school and just, you know, as a kid volunteer and things like that. I got a lot of my community service hours volunteering in my mom's class. Um, So just seeing like the effect that she has on kids and how much she inspires the next generation was all I always admired that. Now, I ran from that. (laughs) I was one of those people that said, I've been in education for all these years. I don't want to go back to school when I graduate from high school. But something always led me back to education. And I've always been in a role to like mentor, whether it was in social work or in a school system to mentor and support you. With education kind of in your family, um, what made you go from education to the tour company? From education? 
application to the tour company? That's a really great question. So I was working, of course, in the charter school and Black History Month rolled around and I was asking, you know, students what type of programming they wanted to do for Black History Month. Um, because my goal is to make that year was the program more student-led. A lot of times um, educators, teachers, leaders come up with the programs are going to be. And, you know, I think it is always an awesome thing when you can bring students to the table and give them the leadership skills, give them the opportunity to display leadership skills and things like that. Sure. So I was talking to them about what they wanted to do for Black History Month. And, you know, they kept saying Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They wanted that to be the theme, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, at first I went with, okay, but then, you know, once you start to dig deeper, what I found out is that students just haven't exposed to a wide variety of Black history stories in the school system. Um, so I got inspired to start this company basically to to expose students to Black history stories. Yeah, because it seems like taking the route of, of just MLK Jr. is is kind of a safe route, but it is not very, it's so limited. So that, that's amazing and wonderful that you decided to branch out to uh, kind of, you know, cure, curate more content for, for people to, you know, explore. And so that brings me to my next question. Like, how do you gather information and sort of curate the content that you have for the tours? Tell us a little bit about what, what that is and what it'd be like to go on the tour. Oh, yeah. I can speak to that freshly because I am gathering information for a new tour right now. <laughs> so the process is the first thing I do is just spend hours and hours and hours of time with uh, in front of my computer, just researching concepts and ideas and things like that. I also check out a lot of books at the library uh, in writing the tour of African-American culture and the civil rights movement tour. I spent a lot of time in Nashville has a, uh, downtown library and inside of the library is the civil rights room. So the civil rights room is what I like to call a magical place because there is an unlimited amount of resources there from photos to books to timelines, all type of things. So I just went in there, soaked up all the knowledge that I could. I also uh, talked to the staff there. And I think that was the key for me. So talking to the staff and the staff there, they're very helpful. They want to answer any questions you have. And they, you know, came in and checked on me a lot of times to see if if I needed anything. I would say the thing that brings it all together for me when I'm writing a tour is the ability to go out and network and talk to people who's, who I feel has either lived the experiences or scholars in the area. So I talked to history professors at local historically black colleges, as well as other local institutions around the area and things like that. That's incredibly smart. I, I love that you, because anybody can say what they think people are going to want to see, but to go out and actually ask the people what they want to see is, is you know, a good good way to bookend to make sure that it's thorough, but it's also exactly really what the people want to come out for. So that that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. My mentor, uh, Dr. William, he is a history professor here at Tennessee State University. He just came out on uh, one of the one of our tours yesterday and it was really cold and it was it wasn't raining though so I felt bad but I was so happy to have him and after I was like what did you think give me your honest feedback let me know how everything went so I love you know just going to him talking to him about the ideas I have and then inviting him out on a tour so that he can see it firsthand and give me feedback on what he thinks that's so cool. And what was his feedback, just out of curiosity? Oh, he said it was awesome. And I take that to heart because when things are not awesome, like he does not sugarcoat, he would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. He was like, it was awesome. And then after every tour, we go around and we give 
uh, one key takeaway. And he just talked about how he, you know, enjoyed the energy that I had and the storytelling aspect of it. It was very gracious of him to give me that feedback. And I really appreciated that. I was going to agree before you even said that to echo sentiment that you're the energy like you can tell this is a labor of love. And so I'm sure that that makes people so excited about the tour and and makes it such an impression for it to stay with them for a while after. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the goal. So what what has what has your growth been like? What has business been like with the tours and, and, and what kind of um, progression do you see with it? Growth has been pretty progressive. Um, I move very quickly from the stages of business. Sometimes I tiptoed in every stage at one time, just testing things out. But now I feel like right now we're at a really steady pace and we are focusing on expanding. We are hiring for tour guides to lead our tours. And uh, we're expanding to Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, So we're very excited about that. So growth is really good right now. That's great. That's really wonderful. So I, I think the, the obvious question would be is when you travel, do you take walking tours? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love walking tours. Tell us some of your favorites, some of, some of the favorite walking tours that you've been on. Okay. So my favorite walking tour. Okay. So I did a cemetery tour here in Nashville. And when I did the cemetery tour, um, I was just thinking like, this is going to be so weird. We're just going to be walking uh-huh. on grave. But it was such an amazing <laughs> opportunity. And the reason why it was so great is because, and this was another storytelling tour that gave me a really great push and inspiration to do what I'm doing now. Because when I took that tour, everyone there were, was in character. They were dressed up like that character. They had mm. costumes on. And it was just like amazing, like walking back in time. So I would say that that cemetery tour had to be uh, one of the best ones uh, that I've that I've taken so far. And that was in Nashville. Taking a couple, yeah, that was in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I took a Black History walking tour in Toronto, and uh, that tour was really amazing as well. And it and on that tour, um, a lot of the times, you know, you don't when thinking about Black History, we really don't think of like Canada mm-hmm. and how Canada was a safe place or safe zone for Black people. But I really learned a lot on that tour that expanded my knowledge. And I also took, I can't remember if I took one or two walking tours in St. Augustine. I know I took a Black History walking tour in St. Augustine. And the thing that stood out about that tour as well is that a lot of the stories that I tell on my tour was the same stories that she told on her tour. Mm. So it's like, for example, the stories uh, that I tell of Public Square, right? So in Public Square, Nashville, a lot of slave auctions were there and brokerage houses and things like that. So slaves were brought and sold in Public Square. And she told the same story, but the difference was that she said, in St. Augustine today, African-Americans still have a hard time walking past public square because of the pain that's there. Mm. And that really resonated with me. And I started thinking about Nashville and how maybe some of these sites may bring up uh, feelings for people. And how can I, with the stories that I tell, create reflection Mm -hmm. and just put it in in a way where people are not walking away with the hurt not knowing that, hey, we have come a long way mm-hmm. as people, as a country, and uh, we're consistently doing things to move forward. So how do you do that, just out of curiosity? Do, are you really intentional about it, or does it happen because of the way that you present the stories? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with the way the stories are told. It has a, a lot to do with the energy that I bring, and it also has a lot to do with giving people an opportunity to express how they feel. 
Because oh. a lot of the times, uh, especially when tours, when you have a lot of people on tours, you don't really have an opportunity to speak out and say, hey, when I when we visited this site, it made me feel anxious because I was thinking about this and work through those feelings. And I think that's where the social worker in me kicks in because I can pick up on when somebody feels a certain type of way and say, hey, you know, talk to me about what you would have done in this situation. Sometimes just giving people airspace to say how they feel and start a conversation from that really helps. Wow. You're a walking empath tour guide. (laughs) Yeah, that is so amazing. I mean, to be able to give these tours and do this and then also to be able to tune in and make that space for people and hold that space is so powerful. So it's like not only are you taking them through these stories and teaching them, but you're also like allowing a space. It sounds like for some people to experience some level of healing even? Would you say that? Absolutely. I tell people all the time, I'm not your average tour guide. When you take my tour, it's not going to be your average walking tour. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're also going to do a lot of hard work. Mm. And we're just going to become friends. At the start of the tour, I say, hey, everybody say one interesting fact about yourself and tell us your name. After that, we're family. So for the remainder of the time on this tour, we're all family now. If you decide to be my family after the tour, if you don't decide to be my family after the tour, that's up to you. But right now, (laughs) you're my cousin, sister, all of the above. <laughs> so it really gives people a place of comfort where they where they feel comfortable sharing. So what do you think when you get the feedback at the end of the tour, what do you think people are most surprised by? People are pretty surprised one about the musical legacy of Nashville. And just to give you an example about that, we talk about the Fish Jubilee thing. Well, first of all, Nashville is the country music mecca, right? Uh, So a lot of people come to Nashville just to access the country music scene. But Nashville's musical roots is African-American with the Fish Jubilee singers being the first singing group to export music out of Nashville. So they went around singing Negro spirituals and uh, they had an opportunity to sing in front of the queen. And she said, you guys have such beautiful voices. You must come from a music city. So thus giving Nashville the name Music City, which Nashville has been able to capitalize off of and to market in such a way that attracts people from all over the world here. So people are really surprised when they learn that the musical roots of Nashville uh, is African-American and central African-American music and culture. It's funny for me to hear that because I'm a musician and I'm in my late 40s. And so I have a keen awareness of exactly the origins of almost all music, which is African. <laughs> and uh, so it's very fascinating <laughs> to me that 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 that, that would not be... Um, it's just weird to me that's not common knowledge but I understand why it's not I totally get it but I'm over here like shaking my head and Jen's looking at me like calm down (laughs) well yeah and for me I mean because I've actually interviewed Chiquita before on my other podcast like when she told me that I was like no mind explode because I had no idea you know and I would say I'm probably your average individual where you just you don't you think like music city the music capital that's because of country music and so to hear that story and to connect that is so powerful yeah yeah it is it is a continuing thing though as a musician of the play because if people say well what about the Rolling Stones R&B what about so-and-so R&B what about the Beatles R&B like You you really only need to go back one generation to connect, you know, the, the the blues singers, you know, from from all these people. So that's very fascinating to me. That's a, that's a great that's a great tidbit. Um, so what do you think that people overall? I mean, that's the one thing that's surprised about. What's the, what's the commonality? I mean, are a lot of the people that take your tours tourists or are they locals? 
when we first started out, uh, a lot of our a lot of the people that took our tours were locals. Now we get we get quite a few locals, um, but we also get people from all over. A lot of our uh, guests is what we like to call them come from the north um, because apparently Nashville's weather right now is really popular. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <people> right. <laughs> who live up north? So uh, we just uh, restarted or relaunched this February, and I would say. 90% of the, the people that we've had has have been from like New York and places like that. When you decided to go into business for yourself, like a lot of people, did you struggle with, with some self-doubt and fear? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So in idea stage, absolutely. That was the biggest thing. You know, one day you think, hey, I have something great here. This is going to be amazing. And then the next day you're thinking, why am I even focusing on this right now? Like, I can just not do this, not stress myself out and just keep it moving. I think for me, and the biggest misconception about me is that I am a historian, and I'm 100% not a historian. Like, I do not have a history background, <laughs> but I'm a storyteller. So a lot of that, you know, weighed on me. It's like, how can I do these history tours? And I only took history because it was a gen ed. And, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that was where my self-doubt was rooted from. But, you know, I just told myself, just like you learn other things, you can learn this. <laughs> and that was the, the main thing that I told myself. Everything is based around learning. Like, you, yes, you don't know a lot of stuff, but how can you put yourself in a situation, in a position to continue to soak in knowledge, to learn what you don't know? Mm, that's a challenging one. Oh, yeah. I guess my next thing here is... Uh... What are what are some of your favorite stories? What are, what are your favorites to tell on the tour? Oh, you want me to tell all my secrets? Just some of your just okay. just one of your favorite stories. I mean, we got the Fisk Jubilee singers, but is there another <laughs> one? That's my favorite story. Okay, because because so, we got we want to get a little teaser to get more people down to take this this amazing tour. <laughs> Absolutely, that's actually my favorite story. Another story that I. Uh, love is the story of Black Bob. Uh, his real name is Robert Renfro. And Black Bob, he introduced me to a new term called quasi-independent slave. And a quasi-independent slave is basically a slave in any sense of the word, but he was allowed to live and work off of the plantation as if he was free. The catch was he had to give a portion of whatever it was that he earned to his slave owner. Now, Black Bob, he arrived in Nashville with the original settlement, and he could not read he could not write, but he showed up in a Davidson County courthouse paperwork for some things that slaves didn't normally show up in courthouse paperwork for. Mm. He was suing white people as a slave. Oh, yeah. So Black Bob, <laughs> oh, yeah. so Black Bob's story is, is one of those that really catches people off guard because the business that he owned was a tavern. And in this tavern, he was able to like rub shoulders and serve some of Nashville's most influential citizens that over 20 of Nashville's most prominent white citizens got together and petitioned the state for his freedom. So his life is just the life of someone that you wouldn't necessarily think of as a slave. So I really love telling that story because it challenges the way we've been conditioned to think of slaves. There were several quasi-independent slaves living in the Nashville area. So I love just, you know, learning and researching about them and figuring out how to incorporate them on the tours, which uh, right now I'm also focused on uh, researching some more information about female quasi-independent slaves and Mm. hopefully put something together, maybe like a special tour, one-time tour that focuses on women in history in Nashville. Oh, that would be amazing. 
That would oh, be yeah. really cool. I would show Special up for project. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd show up for all of them, but that would be particularly fascinating. That would be neat. So I want to go back to like Sonia was asking you about just any insecurities that you might have had or second thoughts you were having when you were deciding to do this. Obviously, with with dreams like this, it can have an incubation period. Was this something that was in you for years and years and years? Or was this something that you thought of and you just decided, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this? How did you approach that? Oh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't in me for years and years and years. I never really had the spirit of or the idea of wanting to be an entrepreneur. It started because, you know, after uh, I was talking to the students at my school and they didn't know much about black history, I was complaining about it. And I came home and complained to my fiance and he was just like, listen, I love you, but I don't want to hear this anymore. You got to do something about it. (laughs) So I think that is what sparked it. You know, that's what put that bug inside of me. And I was just like, how can I, how can I fix this? Like, what can I do um, to put Black history in front of students in a way that's educational, entertaining, engaging, and with my love for going on walking tours in general that came up. And walking tours also stood out a lot to me because if you take a a walking tour outside of the normal uh, Black history walking tours, you will rarely hear anyone say anything about African-Americans or Black history. If they do, it's only like one Black fact. Right. So I kept seeing that pattern and those things going on. So I was like, why not just, you know, focus on black history walking tours? Uh, We threw out a a bunch of ideas, but the the walking tour idea just stuck. And when I say we, I bounce everything off of my fiance. Like, how does this sound? What do you think about this? That's awesome. What is your makeup of people like who comes on your tours? Are they young, old uh, Americans outside of the country? What is their ethnic background? What what is it like? 29 questions in one. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Let me simplify it. Who comes on your tours? (laughs) (laughs) So right now, um, People 35 plus uh, comes on our public tours. So any given day, our public tours mostly represents 35 plus. Uh, We also have people who uh, basically bring their students, so teachers, organizations, and stuff like that. So that's our local crowd. Our tours attract a large population of people from Australia. Oh, wow. So we get a lot of Australians. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of Australians that come out. And um, as far as like the racial makeup, yeah. it's mixed. Uh, we have a, a large population of white women who come out who say, hey, I never learned this stuff in school and I really want to know this information. I had a, a white woman come out on my tour and she brought her kids and I was like, hey, what made you come? She was like, I'm trying to teach my kids how not to be buttholes, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's we awesome. just had a good laugh about that. Mm-hmm. And I also have African-American family who come out. And in fact, I had an African-American family who came out last week uh, from New York and she was telling her son, uh, one of her sons was in the 11th grade and he was looking to go to Vanderbilt. And her younger son, uh, of course, was tagging along for the ride and she was saying to him like this is you see this uh, structure right here or you see Woolworth this is what you read in the book this called the sit-in and she was just comparing you know hey touch this because this you know and I thought that was really interesting so the makeup of the tours it it's it varies it changes with time (laughs) that's awesome though and and really I'm asking it group pretty much stays the same Yeah, like I'm asking it for the people who are listening, you know, like some people might be like, well, can I go, 
you know, like, is this for me? And from what you're saying, it's for absolutely everybody, all ages, all makeups, all backgrounds, all races. And that's one of the things with your tours that you really focus on. And that is inclusion and diversity. And I think that's amazing. That's really big for me. Okay. Uh, And I tell people all the time, like, I didn't create uh, these tours or United Street tours to bash any particular race or make anyone feel sad or out of place. But black history is America's history. It's our nation's history. um, And it should be treated as such. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And that's the thing. If truth makes somebody uncomfortable, that's not on you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Right. So then what has been the most challenging in all of this endeavor as a businesswoman, as somebody who's created this tour company? What's been the most challenging and how have you grown and been sharpened as a person through your work? I would say the most challenging thing for me is being everything. I don't think I really realized the extent of uh, what an entrepreneur was before I, you know, tiptoed in it. Mm-hmm. But literally, I am the salesperson. I am the content creator. I am the marketer. Like, I am the operations person. So I think, like, going in it, being everything, and becoming skilled in everything to run a successful business has been the most difficult for me. It's very easy for me to, like, take three steps back and say, hey, I'm going to focus on the creative side for three months because that's what I'm passionate about. That's Mm -hmm. that's what I love doing. But it's like, if I'm doing this for three months, who's out there building relationships with the convention center so that they know we exist and things like that. So it's finding a balance that has been pretty challenging. But I think now going into this year, we're at a place where I have things under my belt much more. And I know like when is, what time do I need to be prospecting and looking for, for potential new schools to sign up? What time do I need to be networking and things like that? So I'm pretty good with my schedule. Now there are still things I need to tweak every now and then, but I pretty much stay on schedule. <laughs> well, I, they, they saved me for the last ask the most divisive questions. Are you ready? Cause these are, these are, these are bad ones. How long is the tour? Oh, wow. How, how, how long is the tour? Yeah, how long is the tour? See, she, it's, it's a scary funny. question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our public tour is an hour and a half, and we keep them around uh, a mile and a half, so pretty easy walking. Oh, good. Our private tours now, so, okay, so when we, last year, we had people to call and say, hey, this is so-and-so. We're coming on a civil rights journey through the South, and we would like to book you for a full day. And I immediately began to freak out. It was like a full day. Our tours are an hour and a half. So we do offer full day and half day experiences now because people would call and say, hey, yeah, an hour and a half is just not enough for us. We want this this amount of time or this amount of time. So we have to create experiences to meet the needs of, of the customers. Hey, I've only known you for a half hour and I agree. An hour and a half is not enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So the other heavy hitting question is, I come in, I'm going to be doing this, this tour. I need something to eat before I'm doing all this walking in the heat. Where are some of your favorite places around the tour that you like to eat? So my favorite place to eat is actually a stop on the tour and it's Woolworth on Fifth. And my favorite place to eat is Woolworth on Fifth basically because it has a, a long civil rights history. But it it also has really great food there. It gives you an opportunity to sit there and reflect and think about not only what you learned on the tour or if you're you're eating there before. Just prepare your mind for what the experience that you're about to have. 
So I would say that's my absolute favorite place in Nashville. All right. So Woolworths is your favorite. I agree. That would be an amazing experience. And now I actually am honestly going to come down and take your tour because it sounds incredible. Well, that's great. Well, any other uh, shout outs you want to give to anything on the tour? Any businesses in the area? So I always love to shout out just Jefferson Street in general, um, because Jefferson Street and the surrounding area is is the historical African-American neighborhood in Nashville. And there are several good restaurants that lines Jefferson Street, such as Sweats. You have Kingdom Grill and Cafe, Garden Brunch Cafe, uh, and places like that. And the uh, historically black colleges are there, TSU, Meharry Medical College, uh, Fish University. So I love that community, and I just love being in that area. That's amazing. It sounds incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate you talking to us. Yeah, thanks, Chiquita. This has been awesome. Thank you for listening to What Won't We Say. 